The concept of unity can be fuzzy-wuzzy sometimes, and the Bible gives concrete images to make it more simple. Find out more on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Welcome, guys, to Inverse here. We have a special episode on unity. Every episode is a special episode. (laughs) Amen. Special people. Whenever we're with you, Justin, it's special. Amen. Thank you so much for that warm sentiment. You're welcome, bro. The fuzzy wuzzy guy. Fuzzy wuzzy guy. (laughs) I feel the unity. We've been talking about unity from week to week, and we really want to get into the concrete of unity. Sometimes unity just means getting along, which we're realizing that's not the case. Unity is something far more deeper than that. Mm. So let's have a word of prayer. And Sebastian, can you pray for us? Yes. Father in heaven, sometimes the simplest concepts elude us. And unity can be one of those. So we pray today that as we explore the, the word of God for images of unity to help us to see it, to make it more tangible for us, Lord, that your spirit will be with us, that you'll guide us, and that we'll walk away not just changed and with understanding, but also in awe of what God is trying to do, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And Israel, can you read that key text for us? For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. All right. And Callie, I'm just going to throw you off again. I'd like (laughs) to the the first question. (laughs) Uh, Hey, what is that verse talking about? It's talking about how the church is one body. Yeah, the church is one body. <laughs> and has many yes. members. Yes, many members. Yes. It's all one. Well, I, I just kind of laughed uh, to myself just because it's kind of just typical of, of Paul oh. kind of saying things. Of like, mm-hmm. for us, the body is one. It has many members, one body. Yeah, it is it's a bit. One body, which is one body with members. It's, it's one body. Yeah. It's like, cool, deep, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's just him kind of overstating or kind of restating. What he's trying, you know, like when Sebastian like restates what he's trying to say at yeah. times? That's what, oh. That's what Paul's doing. That's what Paul's doing. So he's well, just following the art of Paul. Yeah, uh-huh. so Sebastian's yes. biblical in his repetition. Now He's Pauline, thank I'm you. I'm like blasting you and encourage you at the same time. All right, I'm so in. verse 12. We love you too. <laughs> so, yeah, how the body is uh, different parts, but it's still one at uh-huh. the same time. So the Paul uses the actual human body as mm-hmm. a metaphor, as an illustration, as an illusion, as an image mm-hmm. for unity. Braxton, what, what can you um, Pauline, Paulineize this passage out more? What's going well, on? Well, I think, first of all, when, when you get into the concept of the body here in the passage, Paul will go on and say, for example, in verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Mm-hmm. So if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Mm -hmm. If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Mm -hmm. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. So this concept of the body puts individuality in its place to say, yeah, you have all these different members, but you're still one body. Mm -hmm. So you can have diversity and still achieve unity. And it's... He's, it's almost comical to say, like, if the whole body were an eye, like, yeah. you would starve and die to death because you have no stomach. It's like, well, if the whole body were a hand, you would be blind. You couldn't see anything and you couldn't walk. So it's like, it's not proper for us to look at another member and be like, man, he's getting all the glory, the eyes or the face, and therefore I'm not of the body because I'm not getting all that attention. But no, you are a part of the body and no one member should consume the whole. Mm-hmm. In, in our right. scripture reading, we find kind of a brief synopsis that is, that is comprehensive 
in its in its identity of unity. Before I used to think about unity and diversity, that's how I interpreted this passage, but I actually now kind of, as you were reading it, I'm looking at this as being more unity and identity. And this is why I picked that up. It says, first of all, the key words there are one, many, and all, right? So notice it says, you know, the body is one. So you have this one unit that has many members, but Every single one of these members, with, the, with, with no exclusion, equal one body. And so this, the concept of there is no room for anyone to be excluded from being identified as the body mm. is what Paul is trying to protect, uh, or explain. It's like, look, every single one of you has to be a part, needs to know that you are greater than yourself, needs to be identified not as a single component of the body, but as part of the whole. Which is, so there's a, there's which a is larger, larger purpose, uh, a superseding thing that everyone is submitting to, yeah. and that's where they're, they're getting their identity from. Yeah, and so I can't, okay. this, yeah. cannot, this, cannot, this cannot be identified. In other words, this cannot be identified as a hand. It needs to be identified as a part of who I am, Israel. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's like the folly of my hand seeking to exist without being identified as who I am would be silly, right? It would be silly for my hand to think that it's independent of me. And so it's saying, look, you are identified not as Israel. You're not identified as an individual. You're not identified as a preacher or as a doctor. Your identity is not in yourself. Mm -hmm. Your identity is in the body of Christ mm -hmm. because the body of Christ is a picture of Christ, mm -hmm. right? And so Jesus is saying, look, my church is my body. Don't identify yourself as an individual. Identify your identity is in the body because beautiful, your identity is in me. Insight, beautiful insight. And uh, I think, smashing. you know, uh, building off of that fact that, therefore, if you are a part of Jesus and I am a part of Jesus, right, Paul goes down again to say in verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Mm -hmm. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So then there's this element of every component needs the other component. Right. If you get something in your eye, you need the hand to help to wipe that out. Mm -hmm. Right. And you need the nerves and the, and the nervous system and the muscle system and the skeletal system. So it's like there may be parts of the body that may not get all that attention and all that glory. On one side, it's like don't put yourself down and think you're not part of the body because you're not that element in Christ. Mm -hmm. But also at the same token, don't be so arrogant to think, well, I have no need of you. Mm -hmm. In fact, we are one body. And because of that, you are just as necessary to reflecting the image of Christ as his body as I am. And in order to present Jesus as he truly is, I need you, yeah. which makes unity between you and I essential to the revelation of Jesus yeah. through the church. In line with this image, I'm going to move us to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I think what there's a struggle in perhaps in the Western world and... I, my background being a little bit more from the Eastern world, there is a, my, my Koreanness is, mm -hmm. is a lot more corporate, a lot more communal. There is not that much individuality. And then there's also my Americanness, my Westernness, and the individuality is pretty much king. Mm -hmm. And the, the Bible seems to find a great balance between the two. I think a lot of cultures tend to side with one or the other. Yeah. Uh, but here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, there is this concept that, that may be a little bit foreign. Chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Uh, you, uh, the Bible says, especially that you may proclaim the praises of him 
who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here, God uses this term people, and it's, it's a plurality, it's a community, and, but it's also a singularity. Mm-hmm. And I think we just have a hard time with this. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of times in the Western world, and even myself, I don't want to be... I don't want to be subsumed by a community. I want to be my own. Stick out. And uh, Callie, what, how do we, as a church, how do we balance that? And what is this verse really trying to say? I think first, sorry to kind of go south that for a second. Okay. Is I think it's beautiful. It says, so you are a chosen generation mm-hmm. that you, so the purpose is that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So our experience with Jesus is an individual experience, right? We're not converted. Uh, we're not brought to Jesus in masses. We have an individual encounter with Christ. And that is you're proclaiming these praises, but still you're together. Mm-hmm. So you need to have that individual experience in order to be part of the group. Mm-hmm. But still that group is one that praises him together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we talked about this in so many different episodes of different quarters, but a lot of it has to do with focusing on Jesus. If we are focused on ourselves, like, well, I'm special. Mm-hmm. I preach differently or I serve differently. And I want people to know that. Like, well, that's not the point of service. Mm-hmm. The point of service is to serve Christ and to bring people back to him. So if we are fulfilling this purpose that God has given us in a way we only want to stick out as much as we can stick out to point mm-hmm. to Jesus. Yeah. yeah. There's an interesting balance though, and, and we'll get to Israel, but I would say that even salvation is a personal decision that I make as an individual. Mm-hmm. But also what I see through here, but when it comes to purpose though, there is a collective purpose yeah. that even whether I choose it or not, God does call entire groups of people to a special purpose. Yep. Yeah. And that sometimes may be kind of awkward to juxtapose the two together. Yeah. Israel? I feel like the text is not talking about individualism versus, you know, yeah. a, a plurality of, I, I, I think it comes down, what it's boiling down to here is, I think it actually, and maybe I need to get off this horse, but I think it also goes back to identity. I think this goes back to identity as well. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, you are peculiar, you are chosen, you are a special people, you're this, you're valuable. That's essentially, you can summarize, hey, you're very valuable. But notice where your value comes from. Your value comes from the fact that you were brought out of darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's always this balance between value and identity and how your identity is actually valuable not not because of your natural abilities or your natural gifts or naturally who you are in other words it's like you're you're chosen you're special you're valuable but wait let's let's talk about why you're valuable you're valuable because you were so bad and god invested in you mm-hmm. you know mm. and so you have this I think when it comes down to what you're saying, Justin, is we need to know who we are. Yeah. Whenever we're individualistic, whenever we're focused on ourselves, we have lost sight of who we are. We think that our value is inherent. We think that we're valuable because of our knowledge, because of our looks, because of our abilities. And we have forgotten that that is not why we're valuable. Mm-hmm. We're valuable simply because of God's external investment in us. Because if you take away God from the equation, you're simply in all your glory, a mound of clay, your dirt, your valueless, mm. you're something that people step on. Mm. And so this is where it comes down. Unity requires, it is essential for unity to exist. It is essential for us to know who we are and to know who God is. And that's why in previous mm-hmm. uh, episodes, you know, that they might know God. In knowing God, we know ourselves. 
And this is necessary in order for us to have unity with each other. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love the identity component. In verse 9, I, I, I see plurality everywhere. Uh-huh. Verse 9, you see, you're a, you're a chosen generation. That's a plurality. A, yep. ge- a royal priesthood, a plurality. Mm-hmm. A holy nation, plurality, special people. And then it goes to verse 10, who were once not a people, yes. not a plurality, but now a people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And that's an allusion to Hosea. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Hosea had to marry the prostitute and they had two kids and the yes. two kids were named the those two names. things, mm-hmm. not a people and not who obtained mercy. Mm. And and, it's, and the whole point is, you were my people, but now you're not my people. I mean, it's the, the whole plurality thing. Yeah. And in and, 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 and connecting with your point, it's what if we've lost our history as a people? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we as individuals and sometimes in individualistic Western countries, we're all about who cares about history, who cares about what the culture things. It's all about me and my decisions. And there is a role. I think the individual will is important, but we mm-hmm. get lost and we lose our identity really at the end of the day. I think one of the... And Sebastian, hold that thought. Stick around after the break and we'll hear Sebastian's comment. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey guys, welcome back. I so rudely interrupted Sebastian. So we're going to go back to Sebastian and what were you going to say? I forgive you for unity's sake. <laughs> so, here you see in every single attribute in in first peter 2 there's an external party there right which brings back to that group element that you're dealing with right and that individuality at the same time so you have but you are a chosen generation someone had to choose for you to be chosen you're a holy nation in order for you to be holy you had to be set apart by someone Mm -hmm. right then it's his own special people so now he's choosing you his own to himself and then that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you there was a caller so in every single thing the, the balance between that individuality and the group identity is we individually have these experiences where he didn't just mm. choose the people of God. He chose awesome. Justin yeah. and Callie, and then we come together in that choosing. Mm. He didn't just separate Callie. He separated Sebastian and Callie and Justin. Mm-hmm. So in every single thing, it's crazy to think that I am his own special Sebastian, but yet I'm a part of his own special Collective. people. Like he's yeah. got a collection on his shelf and it's like, yes, you know, I got my Sebastian, I got my Israel, I got my this. And it's like, dude, this is vintage, you know, 1954, whatever. Okay. And not that God is like that kind of collector, but right. to use the idea that this is his own special yeah. thing for himself. Cool, cool. Well, we'll choose now, Callie. Uh, Callie, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, the Bible gives a lot of images and we've covered, what have we covered? We've covered the body, we've covered uh, people and... What's another image that the, the, the Bible uses to describe you? Let's go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. And this is talking about the household of God. Ephesians so, 2. 19 through 22. 19 through 22. So I'll okay. read these verses. It says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So this idea, verse 19, where it talks about you are, so I like this contrast. You're no longer strangers and foreigners, meaning you were, Mm. but you're not anymore. 
anymore. Mm-hmm. Now you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Mm-hmm. So it's going from this kind of polite, like, oh, yeah, we are fellow people around each other to we are of the same household. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about just the contrast between these two, and these are some things that came to mind. For strangers and foreigners, like in general, when we're interacting with strangers and foreigners, there's lots of pleasantries and politeness, like, hello, Good to meet you. These are my children. This is my family. Very kind of stilted. Small talk. Um, yeah. Yep. It's rare you have conflicts because you don't know each other well enough to have conflicts. Uh, comfort is priority because we're going to make it nice. If, like, you have people over at your house. You will make everything beautiful. Mm. And things irritate you if you don't bring it up mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're your guests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good to know, Kelly. Um, anyways, so <laughs> it's rare there's honesty. Not and therefore, over her house again. Anyways, <laughs> guys, focus. So it's rare there's honesty. So it's rare there's conflict. So there's rare it's growth. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what's like with strangers and foreigners. On the contrast, with fellow citizens, but more so members of the same household, we enter into the mess of life together. Mm. Um, we are truly known of each other. There's honesty, so therefore there's conflict, so therefore there's growth. We have more love, we have more healing, and we have more meaningful connection. So Real. It's more real. Mm-hmm. And this, this um, is so encouraging to me because for so, so many years, I've just seen the church as this thing I do on the weekends. You know, you go there, you listen to the sermon, you, 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 preach the, you sing the songs, and you go home. And people are like, how was your week? It was good. It was not good, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, or like, how are things? They're good. They're not good, but I'm not going to say that. So we don't, we don't have this kind of open communication and this fellowship, mm. but love inherently requires risk. Mm. And so we have to be able to be willing to enter into the messes of others, but even harder for me, allow others into the mess of our lives in order to truly be a part of this household of God. So being vulnerable to another person really yeah. opens them up to be vulnerable mm-hmm. to you, yes. which become, which creates a really Love awakens bond. love. And yeah. often we have to be the first one to take that step. So just a nuance, back. I'm going to go further. How is that different in the church than anywhere else? Because anyone can be vulnerable, like outside of Christ, yeah. and outside of God, also spiritual, spiritual relationships. They, they, they can have a super tight relationship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... We may have tighter relationships outside of church than mm. inside the church. And yeah. a lot of people complain about that, too. Right. Yeah. So how does the Jesus factor make that little well, bit? I think it depends what church you go to. I, in my mind, personally, I can't relate to that <laughs> These experience. guys are just going to horrible churches. Yeah, I think that's ultimately it. All right, we're going to get some I, Like, for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> email Justin, <laughs> Justin Kim at yahoo.com. So, um, so, you know, I, oh, that's, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's not yours. Like some, yeah, some poor guy. Some, another Justin Kim is going to be mad. Um, for me, my closest relationships are with people that are of the household of faith. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and the reason for that is found in verse 20. It says, Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone, mm-hmm. not his representative, not something that he's created, not something that he's himself giving, but he himself He's yeah. there. He's present. So you're He's, saying the starting point is with Jesus. Yeah. The vulnerability is with Jesus. And yeah. then the relationship is there. Right. And then you open yourself to other yes. people, not church right. people. It is critical. The, the Jesus factor is critical in anyone yeah. opening up yeah. themselves. You know, so and, how do you, all right, we're getting a lot of, we're Sebastian and, and Kelly. So how do you, how do you deal with the, the fact that, you know, dysfunction is the normal, right, in every family? Because when he's talking about, like, people having those relationships outside of church, like, I look at that as, like, even in my own family, right, I could be closer to someone else outside of my family, mm-hmm. that it's like, but we're still my, you're still family. All right, so we have you a know? question that, that, that raises the anxiety level. Callie? Well, we'll we'll we don't have to answer that because yeah, he doesn't ask questions. Sebastian, Sebastian, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. Well, before uh, Israel rudely assumed that I don't have that community now, I said, mm-hmm. past few years, I have it now, so I'm yeah. back mm-hmm. no, I'm, Hey, but I anyways, was related to Justin. Whoa. Justin, whoa. Well, right now, <laughs> take, take Shots fired. Hey, this is a household of 
faith rescue. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you and your own church. Which is exactly my point. Dysfunction. <laughs> so, um, along Israel's points, though, is the yes. first thing, the reason why we should have a household of faith in this context is because that's what Jesus, that's what God has called it. Mm. So we are called to that because that's what God has called us to. Yes. Um, and I think also a big thing that has changed my uh, relationship, again, with Jesus is a lot of times we try to seek that intimacy or that vulnerability, that closeness to other people. We, that's the only place we have it. So we are gripping for it because we're just trying to find some kind of close relationship. Mm -hmm. But once we have it with Jesus, we are better able to have to enter into vulnerable situations that are scarier. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I can trust this person, but I have my sure anchor of Christ. Yeah. So it's okay that love Gives requires courage this. and invincibility yeah. and strength. So it's not just, this, is, this is my only, my only option, but like, I'm already secure in Jesus, so I know I can press into the vulnerability, even though it's scary in this context as well. And regardless well. what may happen. Yeah. Regardless and may have a good relationship yeah. or, or... Yeah, so something wise, but... Yeah. Yeah. And I think so, there's also a different... We're, we're actually looking at it from two different angles, because my point is that, yeah... Ultimately, obviously, there's we visit hundreds of churches a year, yeah. right? You go to different churches, and you're going to have good experiences and bad experiences. Yeah. What Mine I'm talking have all been positive. Yeah. I don't all right. know about yeah. What I'm talking about. <laughs> what I'm talking about. The household of faith. I'm yes. talking about the foundation of Christianity being a home versus the foundation of. Uh, you know, a family through blood being a home, and it's like mm. you know, I can open up to. Based on my, I can open up to my spiritual brothers and sisters mm. more than I would open up to any friend that does not have that yeah. spiritual connection. Because sure, sure, sure. I feel that I feel that there's safety there. Actually, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I feel that if I express my challenge, that the person understands Israel is struggling with temptation. Israel is getting beaten up by Satan, and so. There's a deeper understanding, a deeper connection, a deeper experience that, it, and there should be. And, yeah. and if there isn't, then, then then they're really not a brother or a sister in right. Christ. And that's to, and that's exactly where for me I'm going is the fact that my dad take used us. to always say, <laughs> "I'm gonna take you there, bro, to the mountaintop." <laughs> it's like if you, my dad used to always say, growing up, you know, being the oldest of seven kids, it's like your your family are the only people that're gonna love you when you're wrong, and wow. the fact that as a family, the reason why we keep things in house. Right. When we use this this image of unity is the fact that we keep it inside because we're going to go through times where there is going to be issues and is going to be messy and ugly. But because we're committed to the family, we're like, I'm going to love Callie even when I think Callie's wrong. And we're going to protect the family that once we get through it, we're still protecting what the family is called to do outside of the home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so we've covered the, the physical body. We've covered the uh, people of God. Now we're actually in family. If you actually look in the context of Ephesians chapter two, he's talking about foreigners and Jews. And there was this wall that was between and the two mm -hmm. did not mix. Mm -hmm. And Jesus breaks down that wall. These two guys are now fused into one family, one body. Mm -hmm. And then he actually uses this wall analogy. Like you are now being built together. You are now brick by brick, one people. Yeah, and nice. so there's a total. Yeah. The same wall, the together. same materials that once divided are actually now, now part uniting. Of the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Israel, we've covered all these images. What, what, what's another image that we found in scripture that you want to bring to the table? Acts chapter, uh, not Acts. Acts uh, chapter John, 2. John chapter, John chapter 10. 10. I mean, you've been John waiting all the episode to say John chapter 10 and you say Acts. Yeah. Wrong season, bro. Wrong John season. chapter 10. <laughs> Everybody take a deep breath. Take a John chapter 10. <laughs> I want to, John chapter 10 is talking about Jesus as being the shepherd. Yes. And so there's this concept of, uh, the, the family of God or the church or the relationships that exist among people are now being uh, portrayed as sheep, 
with the shepherd. And so we don't have time to read all of John chapter 10. If you look at it, it's a bunch of uh, red Jesus talking. And uh, the, the main By thing... By red, you mean it's red letter in your Bible, letters, and yes. then red Jesus, letter Jesus thank you. said it. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you for breaking <laughs> it down. We're just making sure that no one misunderstands yes. what we appreciate you just yes. Thank you for being... You you're a great host. Emails. No, no more emails. <laughs> Go ahead, Israel. Yeah. What are you trying to say, buddy? Right. Hey, I, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what are you trying to say? So this is what I'm trying to say. John chapter 10, the, the central thing that I think pops out to me mm. is the fact that in order for us to get along as sheep, we must focus on the shepherd. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in this whole explanation of you are the sheep and so forth and so on, there's never in scripture, I've never, well, there, there are times where sheep are engaging with sheep and Jesus says, and I come and I'm giving you a shepherd so that that stops happening, right? <laughs> and so it's like the purpose of the, the sheep analogy is to show the importance and the significance of everyone looking to the same person instead of looking at each other. Mm. And so the, 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 the text, the climax text is in verse 16 of John chapter 10. And where, he, you know, normally he says, other sheep I have that are not of this fold. We think about, oh, you know, there's people in other uh, walks of life that are also Jesus' sheep. Mm-hmm. But the, the critical part is they will hear my voice. Mm-hmm. And so the focus here is the sheep understand, they hear, and they recognize, and they are fixated on the voice of the shepherd. So the voice of the shepherd is central to unity. You cannot focus on other sheep. You cannot focus on anything else but the voice. You can't focus on external circumstances. Like, hey, look at the rushing water. There's not enough grass. The wolves are coming. You have to focus on the voice of Jesus. And this is the central component of unity when it comes to the shepherd analogy. I believe another Kelly. another central point here with that is how, because it's so focused on Jesus, like it's not talking about like, oh, you're a sheep, you're a sheep, you're a sheep. He's like, you're a sheep, I'm a shepherd. This is the kind of shepherd I am. This is how I shepherd. This is what I do mm-hmm. as a shepherd. As it's focused on Christ, as, and everybody else is just a sheep. There's no differentiation. Like, these are smart sheep. These are dumb sheep. These are this right. color sheep. It's, they're just sheep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are all equal in the eyes of God, no matter the rank or the color of our skin or anything else. Like we're sheep and Jesus is the shepherd. So we covered a lot of images of unity found throughout Scripture. And I'm going to ask Kelly, what are some, what is a nice synopsis of the entire lesson? Uh, great question. So for some of the different uh, lessons, so the people of God, that's about us being responsible and focused on our mission. Mm. The household of God, the church is about family. The mm. temple of the Holy Spirit, it's about reverence. The body of Christ is about service. And we start with Israel about the sheep and the shepherd. It's about equality and being Christ-centered. So all these different images. I love it. I love it. I love it. We want to ask you out there, what's your favorite? image. Join us on uh, social media and comment on Facebook, whether it be Twitter or YouTube or Instagram, and mention what's your favorite imagery. And if there's others, let us know. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.